Welcome, everybody, to the Patty G Show. I am your host, Patty G, here with Meredith Wagasback of Sweet Baton Rouge. We're going to have a good time. We're going to record a little podcast episode talking about what Sweet Baton Rouge does, some of the new things they've got going on, and just Baton Rouge in general and why it's so sweet. Okay, so, I like that. Meredith, thank you so very much for yeah, coming on. You. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Um, for those that may not be aware, what is Sweet Baton Rouge? Okay, so I should have had my whole mission and all the good stuff about who Sweet Baton Rouge is, and, but, um, but I am a 10-year-old business. Uh, Sweet Baton Rouge started um, with a passion for t-shirts, and it has developed and grown over the last 10 years into now we just officially opened our storefront, which is at Electric Depot. And honestly, um, we are just, I feel like we're every day we're growing as a company, learning more and more who our customers are, what it is that they're wanting. But at the end of the day, we love to create t-shirts that are focused around the Louisiana lifestyle, the Southern living, and um, we have our own brand of LSU licensed t-shirts as well. So, um, so we, you know, love to create t-shirts and it's all designed and locally printed here in, in Louisiana. That's fantastic. So yeah. you started with a basic t-shirt. What was your first t-shirt? The first t-shirt was kind of funny and I'm actually, so we turned 10 in October. Congratulations. Happy Thank birthday. You. Yes, it's super exciting. So we're actually playing around with the idea of kind of bringing back some of those first original designs um, just for fun. If you want to purchase them, just we'll have them like a one day kind of deal. But the first <laughs> design was just a football and a paw print. Very, or not a paw print, but a tiger print. Right. And honestly, um, 10 years ago, I just wanted to just kind of like catapult myself into this business and start a t-shirt company focused around game day. Right. Um, and so actually my my legal business name is Football Tees. And so that was the, <laughs> the t-shirt. So honestly, like I have grown a lot as a business owner when it comes to marketing, to target marketing, to better understanding like who our clientele is. Right. So over the probably the first five years, I mean, anytime you start a business, for the most part, you might have a game plan, but you have to kind of shift once you know who your customers are. Right. And so for me, I just was like, well, these are some things I like. And so I kind of just put it out there. And then over those, you know, three to five years, it was more or less like seeing what sold, what didn't sell to better understand who was buying it, what our ages were like and what kind of shirts they liked. And, and I think that five years really helped me really better understand like how to move forward with the brand. Right. And, um, we have a graphic designer who's been on on the team um, from the very be- like almost from the very beginning. So she's been on there for about the last seven years, I think. And so we work great together because we have grown together as a company and really understand exactly, at least we hope we do, of what we hope that our customers really want to see on a T-shirt. Yeah, it's that ever evolving product yeah. line within any clothing company you've got to evolve you can't exactly. just stick to while the first the, the roots are great yeah. you can't stick to the roots forever yeah i you've mean you've got to evolve i mean if people really scroll way back they'll get some really fun stuff um but i mean that's where you you, you know like i try to tell people yes i mean you want to have the marketing plan you want to do all the things but at the same time um it's good for me at least it helped develop me better as an owner to just like dive right in and figure it out. Yeah. And I'm a figure, figure it out kind of person anyway. And so. me, you and me both. Cause it's, I kind of figure out as I go and Carl can attest to that. Yeah. We, we, we play with things. We figure out what works. We tweak it. Sometimes your, your live streams will get interrupted halfway through and you got to restart yeah. cause you're figuring out as you go. Right. But to me, it's more practical and you learn quicker. Yeah. Because you can read all day long how to start a clothing brand, oh, yeah. how to get off the ground, how to do social media, how to go live on Instagram, right. how to go live on Facebook. But until you actually do it, oh, yeah. there's so many different variables that you're not going to be able to account for and prepare for. Exactly. And I've tried all kinds of things uh, in the first few years. And, and yeah, like nobody sat down with me and showed me how to do one thing. 
I didn't even have the audacity to even ask people. Right. So I just had to figure it out. Um, and just, you know, I see what other businesses are doing. So I'm going to figure out what they're doing. And I'm going to try to do it. And so the first five years, definitely, there was many times I was just like, I just want to give it up. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm doing. I just, but something just stayed inside me to keep pushing me to keep going. And I'm really happy that I didn't give up because in the last few years, I've really been able to see the first seven years of hard work start right. to kind of pay off and to start seeing that this company is going to be able to do hopefully some big things yeah. and give back in other in other ways. And that, so you, you, you keep saying those, those first five years were critical yeah. to making the business go. And I love that you said that because a lot of the younger entrepreneurs or just entrepreneurs in general and want to start a business, right. they think it's going to be an overnight success. Right. When in reality, your overnight success was five years yeah. or however long you've been oh, in the yeah. making. I mean, it's not, you can't. It's not overnight by no means. Right. And I feel like, um, yeah, I've told anybody that wants, that wants to sit down and talk to me <laughs> about a business, the first thing I say is you got to start super small. Mm-hmm. You um, don't quit your day job. And you're just going to have to work really hard and, and it's going to take some time before you actually um, probably even turn over a profit. Right. And it's not going to be glamorous. No. And I mean, I know in the early days, like and even still today, like I work from I, my morning routine is I wake up anywhere between six and six thirty mm-hmm. and I get up, I get my coffee. I usually try to do a, a devotion in the mornings and then I get right to work. And then sometimes when I get back home from wherever I've been in either at the office or now the store, uh, as soon as my son and husband kind of do their own thing, I'm working again sometimes. So, I mean, I tend to work if, if my husband says, if I could work all the time, I would, I'm definitely a workaholic. I absolutely am passionate and love what I do. So it doesn't bother me that I like to work all the time, but you do have to, um, put a lot of time in before you start to see your results. Right. It's, and it's, putting the time in day in and day out just after the other. I had a previous guest on here, Chris Cummings, and that's what his kind of mission statement was. Uh Entrepreneurship and growing a business is not pretty. Yeah. You know, it's not attractive. Yeah. But if you stick to doing what you're supposed to do and what you know you're supposed to do every single day consistently over the time, you'll see results. Right. And consistency is the key word right there. Right. It's just like working out. You're not going to go to the gym the first day and then come home and be super, you know, ripped or toned or whatever you're going for. It takes time, consistency, and just continuity of just continuing to go forward. Yeah. And I like to always tell people like, you always have, I think it's a rabbit and a turtle. The turtle Mm -hmm. always seems to be the slower one, but sometimes tends to win the race. So I always like reference myself as like in the first five years, we were the turtle. (laughs) And I just, you know, I saw like bigger brands that started the exact same year that I did. They blew up and I'm just looking around like, well, what am I not doing? And I just felt like it wasn't my time uh, to be in that place. And I've been able to afford to just really slowly grow as a company rather than just explode. And then what do you do with yourself? Right. And I feel like God has like used me in so many different ways to like slowly build up my um, management style and how I want to be able to do things and direct people and that kind of stuff. And I don't think I could have done that if I just exploded overnight. Right. And then you miss all those learning curves yeah. that you get with a progressive and slow paced moving yep. company. You get to learn as you go. You know, if you print... 10 shirts and they don't sell within a certain time period, it's okay. But if you explode and you print a thousand shirts, you're stuck with a thousand pieces of obsolete material, you know, (laughs) does you no good at that point. Exactly. So what kind of made you have this drive or this push to start the business? So let's, let's get some background here. So I've got a funny story. Okay. Um, and I was actually just talking, so Shelby, our manager is with us and I was actually kind of giving her a little tidbit. Um, I was a later college student. I went back to college at 24 and I graduated at 27. And my motivation was just that I knew that there was just something more inside me that I wanted to push myself. And it just, again, just like the business, I wasn't ready at a a younger age. And so Mm -hmm. anyway, I ended up 
going to college, I worked a full-time job and went to school full-time all four years. So you were busy. I was very busy. And from there, um, I got my first job right out of college as a sales rep for one of the best companies I ever worked for. Um, we sold Microsoft sales training. And, but I had to give a sales pitch. And so the sales pitch was, it was the year of Hurricane Katrina. Okay. And my sales pitch was I was going to be a female-owned female T-shirt company. And I designed this very simple Mardi Gras NOLA-style T-shirt. And I was going to give back to um, a foundation to um, go towards um, the relief from Hurricane Katrina. Okay. So I, I had shirts made. I designed them in class, got them printed, put it on a credit card, and passed it out to everybody for the sales pitch. And I got the job. And it wasn't until years and years later that I actually was having a t-shirt company did I even realize that that's what my sales pitch was all about. And so um, so I've always just been very driven mm -hmm. from high school. I did every sport you could think of. Um, I always loved to stay busy. Um, I just enjoyed, I guess, I mean, I was just very driven. So um, right. when I finally made my mind up to go back to college, like I was just ready to do it. And then um, I worked for a while. I got married, had a child, and then I was a stay-at-home mom at the time, and I just was ready to try something new. And it was a hobby at first, and then uh, and then it turned into a, a legitimate company. And I think some of the better businesses come out of those hobbies. Yes. That we do starting out. We say, okay, we're going to devote a little bit of time to this. That's how we pass it along to get our significant others to approve of it. You know, for my wife, I'm like, I'm going to do this thing as a hobby, start out, you know, just kind of chill in and just do yeah. it slow, very slow paced. And then it turns into something much bigger than that yeah. over time. And then you have the time to make the mistakes. Yep. Or as a hobby, you have the time to not do it every day. If you're just, you have off day yeah. or an off week or an off month, you know, you can afford that. But when it's a business that you've got, you know, investor dollars and you've got your dollars and you can't afford right. to have an yeah. off week. I mean, if you do, you have to continuously work to try and fix that off week. Right. But from a hobby to a business, I think that's a more progressive and slower transition that is feasible yeah. for a lot of people. Totally. You know, they don't have to go out there and raise hundreds of thousands or millions yeah. of dollars to get a business off the I ground. I mean, I took $500 from my husband to start our com to start my company. And within like the first month, I'd paid him back. And then I've never taken one loan out since. That's incredible. I am a straight cash flow business. And I'm very proud because... Not every company can say they can do that. And right. um, and that's just been really cool. Again, just taking it super slow and really focusing in on the business and how to grow it strategically is what I've been focusing on over the years. Well, especially for a clothing brand. Yeah. You have to have a great inventory management system in place. <laughs> to know when your reorder point is, yeah. to know when, you know, okay, this 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 uh, the source is getting a little pricey. Let's start finding somebody else so we can keep that competitive pricing down on our on our materials. Right, and it takes constant work. Yeah, you can't I mean, just. It's not an autopilot system. Yeah, that's why I looked over at Shelby and I giggled to her because inventory is is an everyday job for everyone. <laughs> I mean, um, it, it's it's it is fun. Right, and it's. <laughs> It's constantly counting. Yeah. Because so y'all y'all print everything here, right? We do. Do y'all so, print it in-house or do y'all source it out to a local company? It's, no, it's sourced out okay. uh, locally uh, to an awesome company in Gonzales that, um, I mean, that was the other thing when I, for the first five years, I had several different printers um, and I was just printing with different people and I basically went to this company and... My graphic designer and I kind of came up with a good game plan of having like weekly print schedules. No matter what I was going to be printing that week, we always were on their schedule. And it's uh, turned you gotta into- You got to get on their schedule. So it's turned into where I have created a spreadsheet and a process that they never had before, but they work with me and, um, and they do so much with me. And so- I just um, am very fortunate and you got to just find the right vendors that work. So they might be a little more expensive than maybe some of the others that I shopped around with. But mm -hmm. again, in the beginning, I printed small and right. some of those bigger printers just didn't want to work with me or kept pushing my jobs off because they had bigger clients. And 
this particular company just stayed with me through, you know, the the early stages until, you know, now I'm printing with them sometimes, you know, all week or sometimes two to three times a week. And so just depending on our flow and what we have going on during those seasons, they've just, they're an awesome company to be able to do all of our printing. Yeah, that's, it's really great to have one company able to handle everything. Yeah. And so are you screen printing? Are you direct to garment? What's we your... We just screen print. Okay. Yeah. We screen print. Um, Yeah, everything's just screen printed. Gotcha. So do you all store the blanks or are the blanks kept within... You, do you buy them? a pretty good process, like okay. how I do my blanks. So what's the process? Well, I mean, I just, because I'm on the schedule every week, I'm mm-hmm. constantly ordering my pricing doesn't necessarily differ if I order 100 of each size or if I order a lower amount of each size. So I keep a certain number. Now that we have the new store, I keep a certain number in the new store. I'll keep a certain number on the online store, and I'm always printing. So my pricing could probably skim down some when it comes to how much we print. But to me, it helps me keep that inventory and that in my money where it's not tied into clothing at all times, you know? Right. Does that make sense? So, yeah, you, you've got enough cash flow that your, ass, your your cash compared to your inventory is still relatively comparable. Yeah. Yeah, you don't I'm, have little cash and high inventory. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I try to manage base. I mean, I'm analytical, so I know like based on what design is going to do well when it launches, I kind of mm-hmm. know exactly how much to order initially. And then I know how to kind of repeat what I'm ordering every single week going into to keeping up with our inventory. So how do you kind of, do you have a testing the market process for the idea to launch a new design? So, or is it just, no, it's just you we, like, the, we like this design, let's put it out there. Well, I mean, we build designs around collections. Okay. So like we just, I sound very Valley Girl for a second. <laughs> um, so we create a collection. And then a lot of times, I think us as a team, like we can kind of know once we've done, like once we've completed a comple- a, a collection, we kind of know, okay, we think this one's going to do really well and this one may not. So we kind of know like how to do our starter inventories from just based on our initial vibes on the designs Mm -hmm. but then a customer you know then it could totally flip-flop and we'd be off but for the most part i mean we always are very excited when we release new collections but we release new collections and sometimes when those sell out they sell out and we keep some of our legacy designs that have been around for years those just always get re you know restocked on a weekly basis right you've got your collections that come and go yeah. But you've also also got your, when you go to the website, we're never going to be out of stock. Of yeah. And then you'll see like a lot of people, if they've been going to our website here lately, because we've been in transition of collections, there's been a lot of stuff out of stock and it's going to slowly start working its way back into stock. So it just, everything kind of has its own little flow of how we do it. Right. So. And how do you, so with the products going out of stock that I'm sure people loved and couldn't get their hands on in time. Do you get like constantly getting messages of, hey, when's this product going to come back in stock? Or do you have any have in inventory? Wait- or do you have, yeah, oh, so okay. we have a wait list. So people, um, there's a spot on our website. So if it is out of stock, they can uh, request to know when it comes back into stock. And then uh, we send them an email when it is in stock. So we have a spreadsheet of uh, all those, infor- you know, people who request a product to um, be sent to them on the wait list. So that kind of also helps us understand those items that go out of stock, what is it that customers are digging around and looking on the website? Like what's attracting them and what products do they want? And right. then for some, like they might just be trendy and they won't ever come back on. So you want to get those when, whenever you can because they may not come back. Right. And from a, a retail standpoint, it's almost encouraging to do that, to make a trendy item. Yeah that you know is going to be a really great product because you know it's going to sell quickly. Exactly. And it's going to build some hype around the brand. And just from a brand growth perspective, it's kind of a strategic move to pull that as opposed to saying, oh, we're going to produce this item for the long term. Yeah. And that's why we have like our classics that have year round always been sellers that we can always restock. Um, Right. And then there's just some that are kind of very on trend for a little while and then they kind of phase out. So it just depends. And then, from the analytical side, you can see that with the orders. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got, I'm sure, when you release a new design, you have a heightened period 
and then it have a fade yep. and then you when you bring it back up or something else happens yeah. it goes you know you have your ebbs and your flows within exactly. the different designs and the great thing is i mean we've got <clears throat> almost 10 years worth of data too that's incredible and, to and have. like i said i love digging into that to kind of see um again it helps better understand who our customer is and what what they like on their t-shirts right because at the end of the day i mean I could do all the kind of things I want, but we're focused on Louisiana, on Southern Living type T-shirts to, um, you know, Baton Rouge and local love. And those are the things that we really try to stay in our in our zone, in our niche, and just focus on those type of products. Yeah. And it's every business should be data-driven. Yeah. Regardless of what you do, it yeah. should be data-driven. Because if I take a left turn, I mean, it may not get me anywhere. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm at a, a dead end. So, so yeah. So going back to, you said initially your your business was founded under the name of... Football Tees. Football so Tees. I, I, yeah, it's, it's so embarrassing. Like, I get so like, oh my God, because my husband's like, I don't even know the name of your company anymore. <laughs> <laughs> have you gone through multiple name changes? Oh my gosh, have I? So uh, okay, okay. So Football Tees was our initial name, and then... When I launched the website 10 years ago, it was Shop Football Tees. Shop Football Tees. Yeah. And we've had a a lot of different logos, too, over the years. That's a popular URL. That's probably very valuable right now. So we, I think I still have it. It just all relocates. (laughs) But But I... It it pushes. That's a Chase thing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Chase does your uh, your website back end? He helps me with the back end. Uh, Shout out to Chase Weatherly. What's happening? So we um so we wear shop football tees and then I took my first um my first collection to an apparel show and it was in Dallas and we had a Florida Lee as our logo and those ladies were like, Hey, I love Florida Lees, but here in Texas we don't like Florida Lees, you know, or or in Arkansas or Oklahoma. And so right. I immediately was like and then you never could understand well shop shop who and so nobody knew the name so it was just such a tongue twister and so then I was like okay I want to be able to keep the name football and keep the acronym SFT for shop football tees so then I changed it to southern football t-shirts and that's a long name too that's a mouthful <laughs> southern football and so t-shirts then we were that for a little while and then we changed it to SFT and just nothing ever like felt home and early in the in my career, I had done the Sweet Baton Rouge design. And my graphic designer was like, you really need to change your company to Sweet Baton Rouge. And I'm like, yeah, but I just don't know. Like, you know, again, I didn't want to like change my name again. And then these stores didn't want to buy because it was Sweet Baton Rouge, you know. And um, so anyway, these are all the things that I learned acro- along the way. Right. Um, and so I registered and like I... I got an attorney and we um, registered the name. It's all trademarked and did all the things. But it wasn't until 2018 that I was like, okay, I'm going to change our name to Sweet Baton Rouge. And ever since I did that, it was like the best decision ever. I feel more confident in saying, hey, I'm, I'm Sweet Baton Rouge instead of I'm SFT, I'm Southern Football T-shirts. Oh, I was Shop Football Tees. You know, like it's just such a – Right. It's just me. It's, I'm Sweet Baton Rouge, you know, so it's just, and everybody that loves the name, they're Sweet Baton Rouge, so it just makes way more sense. Yeah, you're able to build a community, and within, yeah. I mean, within Sweet Baton Rouge, your name is not restricting. Exactly. And that's, if, if you were, if it was Southern Football Tees, then if you came out with, like, a random design that yeah. was not football yeah. related, you'd, your customer base would be like, hang on, hey, Meredith, what's yeah. happening here? Yeah, you know, so it was really difficult. And and to be where I'm at, <laughs> this goes to show you guys, I've been in business for 10 years. The first eight years was a horrible name. <laughs> <laughs> so, Wait, so you just changed to Sweet Baton Rouge? Two years ago. Two years. Okay, yeah. I didn't realize it was that soon. Yeah, so <laughs> I mean, that goes to show just a lot of hard work, hustle, and drive. And from a business perspective, people are going to love what you do no matter what. Right. Even if you have a, a silly name. so And you build a loyal consumer base. You build base. the loyal customers. And, you know, customer service has and always will be the most important thing for me. Um, As it should be for any business. It should be, but it's not. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, like, 
I will bend over backwards to do my very best, even if we're in the wrong or if we're not in the wrong, to always, always, always make sure our customers are really happy. Right. Um, because I feel like, um, I mean, customers are for life. I mean, you want, and, and they're the ones that will help spread the word about your business and... I love um, when we had our showroom before, which was like our office where our customers would come in to pick up their orders and stuff and where we did all of our distribution. Um, I just love when customers come in because you know them by their name. You get to build a relationship month after month when they come in to see you. And to me, I don't want to expand and be some large corporation because I won't get I'll miss out on that experience that I get to know who my customers are. And right. I think that's really important for at least my company and where we're at. Yeah, it's that maintaining that customer relationship to make sure that the pinnacle is customer satisfaction. Yeah. And for people to come in to the store and see you. Yes. You know, that is, especially unless you got a storefront, which we'll get into. Yeah. <laughs> um, but just from a consumer standpoint, to purchase from a business, you want to know that you're dealing with who the business is. Yeah, because I mean, if someone gave us a bad review, like it affects me personally because I really like, I teach our team. They know how important it is for me to give the customer the best experience ever. Right. And, um, cause I just don't feel like you get that everywhere you go anymore. And, and I just think it's just so important to have that just, you know, service that I just want to be able to provide to them. A hundred percent. Customers, We'll talk about two things, but what they won't talk about is a mediocre, okay experience. Yeah. They will talk about a terrible experience. Absolutely. How the company did them wrong or they did wrong and didn't get their money back or whatever the situation is. They will blast that everywhere. Yeah. But what they will talk about more so than the wrong or the bad is how the company fixed the problem. Yeah. How the company made right of the wrong. Right. Because you're going to get... People are hesitant. Like if you go to a restaurant and they give you a bad experience, a majority of the people are hesitant to post about it. Right. If it's really, truly bad, they'll post about it. Yeah. But if I go and have a bad experience at a restaurant or if I go to a store and something bad happens at your store or any store for that matter, and they come out and in your case, if the owner comes out or if the head manager that's working at that shop comes out and treats me with the utmost respect and is like, I'm so very sorry and just takes ownership of everything right. and then does everything in their power to resolve the issue and leave me better than I would have been had the issue not even occurred. Right. Yeah, That's something I'm going to talk about to anybody and right. everybody. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, that's a huge win. Right. You know, um, anytime you can win a, cu a customer over that is angry with you is a big deal. Yeah. You know, and, and that's going to happen. I mean, just things things are going to happen or a customer is going to not see something from even from a different perspective and, and, right. and explaining or talking about it definitely always helps. And if you can just always bend over backwards for a customer, it makes yeah. all the difference. And that goes back to that organic growth that you were yeah. talking about earlier, that slow maturing yep. organic growth where it's by word of mouth. Exactly. Word of mouth is so much more powerful than me paying 20 or $30 to advertise on Facebook or yep. LinkedIn or Instagram or wherever, because someone's going to see that and they're going to, the only thing that's going to attract them to the page is how pretty the ad is. Right. But if I sit here and tell Carl and Carl goes and tells all of his friends about Sweet Baton Rouge and I right. tell everybody about Sweet Baton Rouge the same, people are going to have a connection yeah. because of the relationship they have with the individual that told them about it. I agree. And then you have this boom yeah. or you have this surge of people coming in saying, oh my gosh, I heard about you from here, heard about you from the Patty G show, and <laughs> I just love what you're doing. Right. And so I want to, I, now I want to support you in any way I can. I want to purchase your products as opposed to if you're running a Sweet Baton Rouge advertisement, I'm going to see that Sweet Baton Rouge. All right. Yeah, it looks pretty. Yep. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe I'll click on it. Maybe I won't. A disclaimer, I am running a Facebook ad. <laughs> They're not bad. They're not bad. That's hey, not what I'm getting at. No, I know, I know. <laughs> uh, we do, though, try to create a story around whatever it is, if we are doing any kind of advertising, to to try to create that understanding of who we are, that experience just in the ad, so you want to like learn a little bit more about us. Right. You know? And video can play a huge part yes. in that. 
We've been doing, um, we have, we have done some video this year and we're going to be releasing like a game day video and then a video of how to find our store, <laughs> uh, very soon. And we've really enjoyed video. It, and it's helped me really get out of my creative box or get into a creative box or get out. I don't know one mm-hmm. or the other. But uh, it's been a lot of fun to create video, and we work with um, a really awesome, talented videographer and photographer, and um, which you know, um, her name is Kim, and she works with um, Amy with Clover. Yes, 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 yes. Because I know she was on the show. Yeah, Amy. Amy came over, came on during quarantine. Yes, yes, yes. I saw that. So, um, so yeah. So we love doing video. I really find that it can help tell our story a little bit more about who the t-shirts are and, and what we do. And video not only can tell the story about your t-shirt brand or your your business and what you do, it can be applied to whatever business you have. Mm-hmm. Video is so powerful, especially with the digital age of social media yeah. across every single platform video is huge yeah now tailoring it to the platform is where you get into more of the formatting and the content right. and changing how it looks and carl can attest to how i how i have the the chopped up versions of the videos afterwards mm-hmm. because doing for example long form in a podcast via live stream right. you're gonna have a certain set of audience that's gonna watch that and you're gonna have a certain set of number of views and right. performance out of that video yeah exactly we do the same thing we'll shoot a whole video mm-hmm. and then we'll chop it up and do different different pieces of it right and your whole video for your long form will go via facebook live mm-hmm. or youtube yeah. or vimeo or um, whatever platform you're using for your long right. form but then for your instagram your IGTV, you're yeah. going to keep that, you know, 90 seconds or more. Exactly. And then for Facebook, you got to get it at that three minute mark for it to really perform well. Right. And then on LinkedIn, you got to keep it under 10 minutes. I don't have time for LinkedIn. Am I missing out? <laughs> LinkedIn is. I'm like, I'm not a TikToker and uh, <laughs> I don't do LinkedIn, but I hear so many business professionals do it. And I, I, I was on there in the very early stages of LinkedIn, but. It's just too much to keep up with. It it's it's a lot. Yeah. And so you have to decide at what point do you hire a social media manager. You know, You're looking what, at her exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and it's how 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 many platforms can you manage in a day? I can't give up marketing. I graduated in marketing. So. Okay, so you used in your blood. Yeah. So I mean. <laughs> My graphic designer, I talk about her a lot. So she's also my co-owner and founder of a local pop-up. Okay. Which is an, a sister brand. And so um, she, I initially, when I when she came on as my graphic designer, she was my graphic designer, but I also brought her in to kind of help me from a marketing consulting standpoint. And I'm like, she taught me so well, like she doesn't really have to teach me much anymore. Like I'm on it. I got it. So again, if you go back and you scroll back, Years ago on Instagram, you would see like just silly content, but now it's so well thought out. Um, and even down to the word, like I, you couldn't have told me two years ago that I was writing my own content. Mm-hmm. So sorry, guys, if there's um, misspelled words or grammar, <laughs> not really misspelled, but grammar It's me. But no, I'm just kidding. Um, but I feel like I've really developed my own voice a lot of times when it comes to our content. Mm-hmm. And really even just, I mean, I shoot the flat lays. Um, I lay out the the social, you know, calendar. I've brought Shelby in and she helps me a lot with um, our insider page. And, and she does a lot on the back end as well, like how we produce the content that we do put out there. Mm-hmm. But, um, but it's kind of like I had divvied all of that stuff out over the years. And then I kind of brought it all back in in the last year or so and, I never, I never would have thought I would have been decently okay with writing because I was so scared of, of writing a word or even a sentence to now like it just like flows out of me sometimes. And I just really love how I've evolved in my own, in my own um, kind of space. It's been a lot of fun. Right. And, and I love it. You, like, you, you've grown as a content creator. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> so now I want to shift into the transition from website sales okay. and selling in other boutiques as what mm-hmm. you had done beforehand to now moving into the biggest step that some people may call a mistake, <laughs> your own space. I know. <laughs> um, I mean, 
I'm going to tell my graphic designer if I fail, it's her fault. She's the <laughs> she one. was the push for the, for the brick and mortar. She, uh, over the years, I mean, for years, she's been like, you really need to get a store. You really need to do a store. And I'm like, oh, no, I love my showroom. <laughs> I don't work the weekends. Uh, we close at three. Um, but honestly, like, I really felt like after the last two years that we became Sweet Baton Rouge. Right. And the more, and we did, uh, let me kind of back up a little bit, too. The last two years, we did our holiday pop-up, which is called Local Pop-Up at Perkins Row, where okay. we would go in, rent one of their um, spaces, and build out a store in a weekend, basically, and then open our doors for a week to two weeks for people to come and shop. And that really opened my eyes to just seeing great potential of having a store. Um, so when I got back from Christmas break, her and I did our, our yearly, you know, kind of quarterly planning meeting. And she's like, Meredith, I really think you need to do a store. And I said, hmm, let me think about it. And so I talked to my husband about it. And he's like, yeah, he's like, I, I, you know, we could consider thinking about that. And so I, um, I started kind of looking around at different locations. And um, March, like March 5th or 8th or somewhere around there, I signed my lease at Electric Depot. In the and middle then, of COVID. And then the week later is when COVID, like, like the everything shut down. And I was just, you know, I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe, you know, this is what I'm doing. And, you know, I speak about God a lot. And I really feel like he kind of directs me and in, in my decision making. I pray a lot. And I really just felt like he wouldn't put me in this position of where I've worked hard to get to to go and, you know, set me up to fail. And right. so it was kind of weird, just a lot of things just really worked out during that time with the progression of building the store out to just doing all the things. And and um, I don't know, I just have been really at peace with it that this is where, this is Sweet Baton Rouge's next journey, our next step and where we're supposed to be. And um, I would never know unless I tried it. And I just got to be really smart and just um, keep the faith that this is where our next journey begins the next five years at this this new space. Yeah, because going from an online store, I mean, you don't have to worry about paying rent unless you have an office space where you're I shipping did. your products. Okay, so so now you've got two buildings you got to pay rent for then. Well, or have you are you migrating? No. So the way our oper operations right now is set up, we have a space that. Um, is where our online store and distribution is going to run out of. Okay. And, and we moved in there at the end of June. And so we've been, we've been functioning and working the whole month of July out of there. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and during that whole time, I've just been building my inventory for the store to move into it. And slowly we've been working as a team to divide that all up. So the store will have its own and, and online will kind of continue to have its own because we sell to a lot of people all across, you know, the United States. And, and we do a subscription box that we have to put together once a month. Um, it's very, you know, it's a lot of work. So you, there's just no way that we could function um, inside a storefront. Um, we're too messy. There's too many things, <laughs> too many back end things to keep that pretty store pretty. <laughs> right. So, uh, so yeah, so we, uh, we just kind of have, those things divided up and the way I see it is everything that we've been doing kind of flows kind of on its own through the online store, I call mm. it. And all of our wholesale distribution, all of that flows in one way. And now the store is basically like we're starting a brand new company through with the store. Right. So with the store, are y'all still continuously selling in other stores? Or are y'all limiting it to just y'all? No, store? no. I I love my retailers because mm. not everybody is going to, just like in the showroom, I mean, people could still come to our showroom and purchase, um, but I love the connections we've made with all of our retailers all across Louisiana. So no, um, I want to be able to continue that and, and create continue to work with our stores and have that relationship because we have a lot of customers that love to buy our shirts in their stores because mm. it's more convenient for them to go there. Right. And if there's something they can't get there, they know they can always get it online. Right. So. And, and people still 
like that tangible. Go feel mm-hmm. it. Go wear it. Yeah. Go try it out in the store before purchasing it. The more the beauty of what we're doing with the new storefront is it's just giving us more. We're not doing anything really any differently than what we were doing for the last five years. It's just now it's prettier <laughs> and it's an actual store and it has um, basically around the same square footage of where I was at. But the cool thing is we get to offer so many local makers their products inside of our store through our local pop-up company. And I think that's a great thing because now they can come drop off their products and sell them inside of our store. And it's a great way for them to continue to build their company brand, especially now since so many markets and the way that a lot of these small businesses were able to bring in money for themselves, they haven't really been able to do that. And I hope that the store can at least get their names out there and be a place that people can, just like for me, to get my t-shirts in other people's store. It's also a great way for other small businesses to have their stuff in my store so people can come learn about them and shop those products too. Yeah. So it's kind of like a, it, it's it's the same of what we were doing. It's just a, it's just structured a little bit differently, and we are open on Saturdays and extended hours till six. So those are all great features for our clientele too. Yeah, because it's when you purchase something online, you've got to wait for it. Yes. And you've got to wait for it to show up. Yeah. And it could be a week, could be two days. Yeah. You well, know? especially now for the postal <laughs> service. I mean. <laughs> expect delays <laughs> it's just oh gosh things are so much slower now too there it's it's so much slower and it's there's so much more yeah like just give the postal service some grace <laughs> right give they're the, working so hard yeah they're working hard you've got your your amazon prime yeah. that we were used to next day or two days that now it's a week or and something that facilitates through the postal service too yeah and that's i mean that's that's a lot right there's there's so much online shopping yeah. happening right now because people can't leave their homes yep. that patience is the ultimate factor as a consumer. Be patient with the with the <laughs> the stores and the brands that are trying to get their product to yeah. you. We know we want it tomorrow yeah. or tonight, but unfortunately it's just with the times we're going through right now, it's not possible. Right. Um so I wanna kinda do a little quick diversion okay. to getting in your first store. Okay. What what was that process like way back, you know, when you just got into your first door? How how did you even so go like about that? So like when I that? opened my office? Like, like, like you open your office and you, you got your first retail client. Oh, like getting into stores. Getting into a physical okay. store. What so, was like that I said, like? When I was um, a different brand name, I started the apparel uh, markets. Mm-hmm. And, and I did that for a few years. Um, well, let me go back, actually. Let's so, go way back. 10 years ago... When I decided to start a t-shirt company, and remember I did the shirt with the football and the tiger paw. Right. Um, I literally had a, a purple and yellow one and a black and gold one. And then those were two women's shirts and then two kids' shirts. And then we actually did these cute little shirts with sewn-in tutus. <laughs> <laughs> I literally went wherever I could, and I had the shirts in the back of my car, and I just went to stores I literally had a sheet of hang tags. I'd cut them out in my car. If they bought them, we'd we'd make the exchange. I'd give them the shirts. They'd give me the money. I'd tag them right there. And I did that the first year. Um, For a year. Well, maybe not not technically a whole year, but I did it that first like season. And that's kind of how I got a lot of my stores at that time. And they have continued to be able to buy from me. And then I went to an apparel show when I had some money to afford to be able to do that. And then I got a lot of new stores that way. And then um, I ventured and did a few other apparel shows. And and now I just do, now it is just has come to where it's more word of mouth. So this one retailer, they sell Sweet Baton Rouge. Then that retailer sees it. So then they look me up and then, you know, so it's, I try to, um, so that's kind of how it's, it's just, now it's just really more word of mouth. Right. If a, if a boutique owner sees our clothes, they want to carry us. They just contact us or apply to be a retailer. Yeah, you've been you've been in business long enough that people know your name. Yeah, you've got an established face. And I learned again, trial and error, that the apparel shows just don't really do well for us either, mm-hmm. because we're just a Louisiana brand. 
Right. And so if you take Louisiana, they're either going to go to Dallas, they're going to go to Atlanta, they're going to go to Vegas, New York. So it's hard to know how you're going to hit that Louisiana customer. So I have no problems packing up my car and going still driving today to show my stuff off to different retailers if I need to. You know, um, you just got to do whatever you got to do to get your brand in front of someone. And I have a sales background, so that's a good thing that, you know, I don't mind um, getting our name out there to our stores because I think it's it's great for the stores because our customers love the T-shirts, and I think it's great for, for us as well. It's a good partnership. Right, and it's having the humility as an owner-founder to keep that startup mentality of oh, yeah. we still have to go out. We still have to talk to totally. new stores because at some point – some people may get in their head, oh, we're big enough. I don't have to worry about that. I can kind of start loosening up the reins. Yeah. But what fascinates me the most is those founders that are just like, no, we're we're 10 years in. I'm still just as greedy yeah. and thirsty and hungry as I was that very first year. Yeah. And, I and mean, you have to maintain that. Yeah. And I think it's, um, and I'm all about relationships with my vendors or my, my boutiques. But I mean, at the end of the day too, I still, you know, want to always try to grow that side of the business mm -hmm. um, as much as I can. Right. And get to know more and more stores that open up or are in an area that I didn't even know about. And I'd love to be in that area. So we definitely try. Oh, yeah. It's keeping moving forward now that you've got the momentum. Yep. So you said early on within those first five years that there were some times where you just wanted to throw in the towel. Yeah. And you were like, enough's enough. I'm done. I'm not so sweet with this Baton Rouge <laughs> yeah. thing. What made you push past that? So... Um, literally like it was right before, um, the great flood. Mm -hmm. um, of 16? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'd been in it for about six years at that point. And, um, you know, we were still just trying a whole bunch of things and I'm just like, God, ah, just, I don't know. I just was having this like doubt and, um, and not saying this next part is for me for good by no means, but. I feel like um, we were able to do s some really good stuff. And that was my turning point to seeing like the philanthropy that I knew that the company itself could have. And so we um, we did a Cajun Navy shirt that year. And then over the last four years, we've been able to donate close to $80,000 and give that money back to our Baton Rouge Food Bank. And that's really amazing that our small company could do that. And to me, that was like a really good turning point to see all of these people come out and support a, a small business, a person that they didn't even know to help a cause. And that to me was just, again, going back to like God testing my limits to see what I could handle. Because mm -hmm. um, you, we easily went from, you know, a certain number of shirts we were selling a month to quadrupling that in in a one day time frame and and figuring out what a new process was going to be be like in a very short term you know turnaround and that to me was also our huge turning point of really just going back to just knowing who our customer was knowing the Louisiana type designs that they loved and wanted to support Louisiana um, there's a lot of great things that come that that happen here in Louisiana. And so we just wanted to be able to find ways to support that. And then wherever we can, we like to always give back through our t-shirts. Yeah. And so, um, so over the years we've done different things. Um, we're definitely, you know, a part of all the different gala events and things like that, that we can give so they can, um, help use whatever our t-shirts are products to give back to their, to their community, um, charities. And then, we launched this past year um, our local supporting locals campaign um, just to help other small businesses be able to give them back dollars through our t-shirt sales during these very trying times. And I just feel like the more and more that I like to learn about our company and see that we're such a more giving type of company, the more I just really love what we do. Yeah, that's... Um, so powerful. Local is just really a huge, a huge thing in in all of our hearts that works at Sweet Baton Rouge. Like we're very passionate about that, and so wherever and whenever we can, we try to find a way that it makes sense to to give back to our community. I love that the the 
give back when we can is so powerful for a community as a whole to know that the businesses that are there don't just say, hey, give us your dollars. Yeah. It's, okay, how can we give back to better grow the community? Yeah. So starting to kind of wind down the show towards the latter part of it, um, what is something you did as a kid that you would still be doing today had no one stopped you? Hmm. I know I should have thought about this one. <laughs> um, hmm. As a kid, <laughs> I grew up in the country. Um, I mean, look, if my body could still do it, I loved basketball and I loved running. And those, like, I wanted to, I, I tried to be a walk-on basketball player <laughs> in college, and my first run of college. <laughs> and then, um, I mean, I loved running, but as my husband would say, I look terrible running. <laughs> it looks like I'm dying out there. But I, I loved it, and I was a I was a sprinter, and uh, and then then cross country. But I mean, if I could do those two things, I'd still do them today. Definitely basketball. I love, love that. basketball. I was I'm terrible at basketball, and I'm still good at it. I'll, I'm a good shooter. Don't don't play. Don't bet money on me unless it's against me in basketball because <laughs> I'll lose every single time. Yeah. Um, okay, so. What are three lessons you've gathered within this span of you running Sweet Baton Rouge and all of its other names? Um, do some market research. <laughs> uh, I mean, definitely, um, for me, would have just put a little extra thought into not just saying, oh, I'm going to start a t-shirt company <laughs> and do it. But I'm at the same time, I don't know if I would really change it because... I wouldn't be where I'm sitting if I wouldn't have just had that idea. And um, so that's one, I guess, market research. <laughs> market research. Very, very Even critical. though I don't really believe that because I, I don't know where <laughs> so, I would be. So, um, okay. Okay. Um, hmm, two. I don't know. I'm really just happy with everything. I'm a pretty happy. Well, not what you would change. What lessons have you learned? Lessons. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Gosh, that's, that's a hard question. We can stick with market research. We'll just stick there. Yeah, yeah. Because that's knowing your market can help you when you're first starting out, right? Yeah. So will people want to buy it? Do people want this brand of football tees or yeah. sports tees? Do they want to represent their city? Yeah. You know, and not knowing through market research, without with the, not knowing through the lack of market research, you could launch a brand that everybody could have no interest in. Yeah. And then you spend all this time and this money in that you get nothing out of it. Exactly. Because everybody, you, you put up your product, put up your website, and everybody's like, cool. Yeah. And we get that on some things, for sure. You live and you we learn, We get though. the same, do you carry this? <laughs> well, we tried, but nobody bought it. You know, so I mm -hmm. mean, but we'll stick to market research. That's, that's a good answer for all three. Love it. Three times, market, market research three times over. Exactly. So what do you love about Baton Rouge? I mean, I love, um, I mean, there's just so much. Like to me, my biggest memory, and, and, and I guess is a thing that I love, it could be love or hate, but when I was 19 and I moved from North Louisiana to down here, I just, I mean, the reason why I'm sweet Baton Rouge is just every time I think about going over the Mississippi Bridge is just here and calling Baton Rouge being stuck in traffic and listening to that song and just knowing like this was my new home and just to know like I'm this girl from North Louisiana who you know celebrates and creates a whole t-shirt company around Baton Rouge uh, I just love I just love it you know like I've built so many amazing friendships and um, business relationships oops sorry <laughs> And just, you know, I love, I love, you know, football and just the food, uh, just everything. There's just a lot that I really have enjoyed being able to be a part of and experience that I would have never experienced had I never moved here. And I didn't move here for college. I've moved here for other personal reasons. But it just, just a young girl coming across that Mississippi Bridge, just it changed my life forever. And so... I've spent my time here more now than I did in North Louisiana, and it's just forever my home. Yeah, it it felt 
it feels like just, home. Yeah, it feels like home. So I just, even for kicks, I'll just play Carl in Baton Rouge sometimes <laughs> when I'm driving back home from North Louisiana from a visit. And it just, it brings me back. Like, this is just how, like, I didn't understand, like, plants. Like, driving over the bridge at night, I thought it was like a whole city lit up. And it was just, um, what plant is that? Exxon. Exxon, yes. It was just Exxon. And, then, you know, like, getting lost going around the Port Island Loop and stuff, you know, just learning, that, learning all the roads. Like I love all the intertwining roads in this one same road, but it's like three different names. <laughs> um, so, I mean, there's just, I've just, I grew up, I really grew up um, once I moved here and um, met my husband and my children. And it's just, it is absolutely my home. I love that. It's, and a lot of people call it home. It's for my sweet bad <laughs> Your sweet bad <laughs> Yes. Okay. So final question is, what can I do to help you? Well, hey, spread the word. Okay. Um, that we opened a storefront. For all of our customers that were hoping that we would have a storefront one day, it's here and it's at Electric Depot. And um, if you heard one thing about tonight is that word of mouth um, is the best way to, you know, let people know about businesses, small businesses, and and we're having um, not a grand opening because we can't really do that now, but we are going to have some sweets and some sips um, Saturday, and we're open 10 to 6 Monday through Saturday at Electric Depot, and there's going to be some really cool stuff happening there with some things that they are working on and some new restaurants about to open and it's just going to be a really fun space to be at once everything's kind of up and going there. So it's a great little home for us. Fantastic. I'm I'm looking forward to going to Electric Depot when it's appropriate for people to go out in large spaces and everything. Go. Okay. All it right. is. Perfect. If you haven't been to City Roots, I'm going to give them a shout out. Yes. Um, I'm meaning to talk to them. <laughs> yes. The coffee is so good. And I'm going to warn you. Uh, if you're a lightweight like me, you might want to do half calf because <laughs> you will be fired up all day. It is so good. Perfect. Yeah, it's Perfect. so good. <laughs> okay, so where can people go to find out more about you? Okay, so of course you can go to our website. We're there 24-7 with smiles on at sweetbatonrouge.com. And you can find us again at our new storefront at Electric Depot. It's 1509 Government Street. It is the old red brick building um, that used to be the energy building right. on Government Street. And you then Red Stick Social and all those other places yep, in there. There's Red Stick Social. There's City Roots. There is going to be a new place called Sweet Society opening. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to botch this, but at Boru is like a, uh, a noodle, noodle bar okay. that's going to be opening very soon. Uh, both of those should be opening very soon. And then there's a really cool uh, photography studio there called Acroma. Um, we just did our last photo shoot inside there and it's a really cool space. And then our sister brands, we have a local pop-up that I talked a little bit about. It's called localpopup.shop and we house about 30 different local makers that you can shop our online marketplace for all kinds of different local businesses all across Louisiana on that website. And then we do a subscription box called Lanyard Box and it's a Monthly lanyard is a monthly subscription where it's a new Sweet Baton Rouge t-shirt and then four Louisiana products. So it's like all a win-win. Everything's Louisiana and local. I love that. Yeah. I, I love the the subscription box. I keep seeing the pictures on Instagram. I'm like, I need to sign up for this. It's a cool thing. Because it's incredible. Yeah. You're gathering all the local products and all the local stuff. And it's, and it's I love a lot it. of work. This is my one week I get to breathe <laughs> uh, when it comes to like the week that we just shipped out to the like that kind of week before we really start to kick off what was in the box, get to kind of just take a, a little breather and then start figuring. Like I like to kind of figure out the boxes kind of semi like quarterly, but for the most part, arrange them the, like a month out. Gotcha. Um, so it, it, it's a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun. We enjoy it. Perfect. Well, like she said, businesses grow by word of mouth the best. So share is just a button tap with your finger or your mouse. Click it, share everything about Sweet Baton Rouge. Also share the Petty G Show and let people know that you heard about Sweet Baton Rouge from the Petty G Show when you buy your stuff. Um, just to let them know that it's working and word of mouth yeah, is powerful. Yeah, tell us. I want to know for sure. 
So I want to say thank you, Meredith, so very much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I got to learn so much more about not only the local community, but everything you've done over the past 10 years. And I look forward to watching you grow for the next 10 years That's and right. so on. I can't wait. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to watching it and being a part of it as well. Thank you. So, well, thank you for having us uh, or having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And for those listening or watching, this has been the latest rendition of the Patty G Show. I am your host, Patty G, here with Meredith Wagasback from Sweet Baton Rouge. Y'all have a good night. Thank y'all so much. Peace. <laughs>